0: Welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. My name is Pascal, and I'm joined by my co-host Bryson. How is it going tonight, buddy? Hola Pascal. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm um, very good, very good. We are also joined by Luke Fixpatrick. How is it going tonight?
1: Uh, good guys. Uh, yeah, nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, very excited to be here.
0: <laughs> well, we're we're really looking forward to this. But uh, I guess before before we get going with anything else. I guess we need to lay out a little bit of a context, a bit of background. So why don't you tell us, what kind of mountain biker are you?
1: Well, yeah, I'm a, if you look at me, I'm just an, an old fat biker, basically. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if it goes up the hill, if there's not a lift around it, you know, I've got to push it in a turbo. Um, but besides that, you know, if, uh, I don't know, I just ride ride whatever's here, ride a lot of park, living here in Lensheide, obviously um when i can get out on the trails just yeah i just love biking um riding the you know the big long travel enduro bikes or a downhill bike yeah what kind of biker am i i don't know i'm just i just ride bikes
0: (laughs) i think that's good enough so just a mountain biker i guess
1: yeah i guess so yeah
0: (laughs) very nice um well why are we talking today? There is actually there's two main things I want to talk to you about and want to hear your perspective on. Um, I guess the one that you've been uh, in the news about um, recently has been the uh, the private tier lounge at the recent Lenzerheide World Cup, and I really, really thought this was a cool idea, and I want to I want to hear more about it. So. Can you give us the rundown? What was the idea, and uh, you know, what did you want
1: to achieve? Yeah, the idea was just to do something fun, um, you know, with the um, the whole, you know, new owners of the you know the series and things like that. It's you know, become super expensive um, from what I'm hearing, and then I thought, well, I'm in a situation to give a little bit back. And then that's why the idea from, from the privateer's lounge it came up was like, all right, well, what do I do? You know, a test center, track test center is in the perfect location right at the end of the bike park. I know some of the biggest teams in the world are going to be at the front door. And then when I thought about a privateer thing, I was like, yeah, this could be fun. This could be really cool.
0: And so so basically you have the shop that's right at the bottom of the gondola in Lenzo Heide. And uh, so what kind of, uh, so if you say privateer lounge, okay, cool. That sounds to me, music, drinks, having a good time, enjoying a nice day in the sun, uh, watching the racing, but that's not exactly what you had in mind with this, right?
1: No, that's not a, there was an idea just to, you know, create a place where, you know, the privateers could could hang out. You know, Um, I had a picture of, you know, it's raining outside, You know, privateers there in the car park, which is, you know, over the other side of the valley, you know, underneath the boot of his car trying to fix his bike or her bike. And I thought, hey, that would be, you know, imagine if all that was in here, you know, give them a place to leave a bag, you know, to leave a set of wheels or whatever, come in here, you know, check their bike, tighten up a screw, you know, fix a flat tire or whatever it was. And it just kind of developed into this this uh i don't know it just became a bigger thing than what i what i planned you know it was um at first well, i guess you go back to where where the idea actually came from um an australian rider called ellie smith um i know who through the through our darko connection and then i met her at the world champs last year and i said look if you're still a privateer, when you come to Landside next year, I said, You're staying at my house, you know, with my family, and then you know, I've got you know a workshop that you can use and things like that. And then the, the idea just kind of you know gets going in your head and it just snowballs. And then I, I messaged her oh, months ago. I said, Hey, what do you think if we we expand this and we offer it to all the privateers? And she's like, yeah, go for it. So good, let's spread out the word. And obviously I hit, uh, you know, track up, it was, you know, test a track. And I was like, put the word out that this is what we're doing, that there's going to be support, um, Other got other brands involved. And we kind of just, you know, that sort of fun webbed its way out. And then, yeah, it was uh, it's kind of cool to, you know, think about it again.
0: I guess you know. At, you know, uh, we we want to come back to this later. I guess, but uh, it's a it's a very interesting juncture for the sport at the minute. I guess to to be focusing on privateers, uh, and I guess for the let's say more casual listener, I guess we need to lay out a little bit what uh, what a privateer actually is in the context of of downhill World Cup. So yeah, Bryson, Bryson, maybe do you wanna do you wanna lay out for us what a privateer is? Whoa, okay.
2: To my knowledge, limited knowledge, privateer is somebody who has, does not have official sponsorship. So they can have some sponsorship, maybe, um, for example, clothing, gloves, goggles, things like that. Maybe they belong to a sports club and then that sports club gave them the money to travel to Switzerland and pay for a place to stay. Uh, pay pay for the flight maybe something like that but uh, in in large part they pay their own way either they have a job they're like you and me and they just want to go racing and they're making
1: it happen on their own buck guess that's a pretty good summary what would you say luke yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there it's uh you know someone that doesn't have factory support you know someone that's uh is doing it on their own living in their van you know scraping fuel together to get to the next race you know I guess, uh, you know, you know, living the life or, you know, liv- living the dream, I say, you know, because that's we all wanted to do that, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of some of the romance, the good golden days of downhill and, and many other racing disciplines, of course, uh, you know, the romance of I'm just going to show up with my bike and my stuff and I'm going to, you know, this on this one magical day, I'm going to win something and everything is <laughs> going to be taken care of afterwards. Yeah. But I guess maybe to contrast Again, you know, for someone that doesn't quite follow the, the downhill World Cup, so closely, factory racers, so the top teams in the sport, when they rock up, they rock up similar to other premier um, motorsports, for example, um, with their trucks. They have physios, they have chefs, they have mechanics, they have all the spares, they have all the things you need for, for a successful um, racing weekend and, I guess, a privateer. Would just show up with his with a bike and as uh, you know his duffel bag with all his kit and stuff that he needs for the weekend and kind of flies by the by the seat of his pants or her pants.
1: <laughs> yeah, we that was that was the contrast that I, I saw right here. You know, I had um, right in front of the shop was the Komensky Markov team. You know, with Armory there before he obviously got injured. Um, Trek Factory Racing was you know ten meters away. And then uh, Specialized was right right there as well. And so you had three of the biggest teams in the world right here. And then you get a privateer walk in, and he's just got like a multi-tool. <laughs> and he's turning up, and it, it, we had a look at some of these bikes. And yeah, my mechanics, they did an amazing job. They grabbed some of these bikes from these guys, and we're just like, go away, come back in two hours. And that wasn't the idea of the thing was they were meant to like work on the bikes themselves and, you know, we we'll are going to, you know, sponsorship for, for oils and stuff that we had. But in the end, my, you know, I've got some top mechanics working for me and they took over these people's bikes, you know, and we, I think we did something like 30 bikes in the first two days, like came in, we helped. Oh, wow. I'd say six, maybe 10 of those were, big services you know and the guys are just coming They're like good go look qualifyings at two or whatever come get your bike you yeah, know it just it just turning like come let's get these bikes out get them running as smooth as we can you know with the parts that we had and just be like yeah let's go guys that was and the other but you said go back on the contrast it was crazy these people are coming in and just you know the wheels are so bent and they've got no money to buy new wheels. And, you, you know, look at the team across here and, you know, there's a, you know, just changing tires every second run and stuff like that.
0: Exactly. A whole gallery of, uh, you know, spares and training wheels and race wheels and wet oh, wheels and dry wheels and this wheels and that wheels.
1: air frames. There. It's just nuts.
0: But yeah, I guess also um, the changes that were made uh, for this year, they obviously haven't made it any easier um, for privateers or uh, people on a smaller budget. So again, um, maybe laying that out for someone that's not following so closely until this year, um, downhill was basically a qualification run and then um, some kind of a final, uh, typically 60 or 80 of the fastest riders from qualifying. And then the fastest man or woman on the day on sunday or saturday whenever the final was won the day and for this year they introduced uh, so-called semi-final so um, you have um, 60 that qualify for a semi-final and then another 30 that go through to the final and those two runs are pretty pretty closely stacked and i guess that also makes it much more complicated for a privateer that doesn't quite have as much support we do have some insights from, let's say, a smaller budget team as well, how complicated that can be. Um, So how was was your perspective on on this whole new dynamic with the semifinal? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. Pascal,
2: what was that sound?
0: (laughs) I started using that sound whenever we wanted to say something about our social or where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on our Instagram, where you can skid right into our DMs and follow along at Skits And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Finally, sharing episodes you enjoy on your socials or a heartfelt five-star rating on your favorite platform goes a long way in helping us reach more cool people like you. Right on! With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show.
1: I actually liked it. Um, I thought in that in that regards, it was it was cool. It created a lot more, lot more, lot more racing. You know, a lot more action, a lot more drama. I guess you can even you know add into the mix. Um, what I did see from, you know, having, you know, privateers, it just wasn't one in the end that stayed at my house, um, is that their stress went up, you know, because they didn't have the time or they didn't, you know, to, to fix something on a bike or, you know, tune a gear or something like that. It just it was all very back-to-back for them. Um, and where that's where being on the bigger teams really helps out, you know, you give your bike away, um, you know, to the mechanic and you can go and lie down, you can think about things, you know, and then your bike's ready, you know, or your, or your clothes being washed or your, or your helmet's clean or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But that having that support takes takes the stress out and the rider, the athlete can, can focus on what they need to do, you know. We actually had that happen where um, – I guess it's a perfect example of what could have or what did happen and can happen, you know, when the privateers have a bit support. There's a, a cross-country racer from Australia called Zoe Cuthbert and she's full privateer. She's got, you know, good support back in Oz. And in the end it came out that, you know, Ellie Smith who stayed with us, she's like, hey, there's another Aussie girl, cross-country racer. Um, she's living in a van and turned out we're from the same area You know, I said, No, no, she's staying at our house. And then before the short course, you know, my mechanic grabbed her, her bike. And he said, oh, is is this your practice bike? He said, no, that's my race bike. And he's just like, oh, okay, look, just leave it here. I'll clean it. Make sure the gears are running, you know, go home, focus on the race and come back in two or three hours. And two mechanics jumped on the bike and rebuilt the thing. We didn't sell her. And she got in the short course, started pedalling, and all of a sudden she told me, she's like, oh, my God, my bike's rad. And then she went, I'm racing. And then she, oh, I don't want to say it wrong, I think she fourth or fifth, fifth or sixth or something in short course, which was her best result ever. And then she she thanked us and was like, "My God, I could just I could really focus on what was going on." So good. This is your routine now. Train, give the bike in. The mechanics will get it ready for you. And we did the same before the 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 long track or the XEO, I think it's called. Um, And then you know we talked about then her strategy and things like that. You know, I know nothing. I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to a lot of this stuff, but she got fifth. In in the long course, which again was her mass massive result, and it was she said it was part because of the support she had, and she could you know use that to focus on on the riding and the race and the track, and not worry about washing her clothes or washing her bike and getting it. And you know you don't think that makes a big difference, but to be absolutely honest, it's that it's that one percent or two percent maybe that an athlete needs, and it was really, really cool to to see that and, you know, give that support. Um, oh, yeah, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but when she crossed the finish line, you know, everyone that was involved, including the mechanics, I rang the mechanics up and said, close the shops, get out here and watch this. Because something still going to happen. And she crossed the line and everyone was, we're all in tears. You know, it was just one of those perfect stories, you know, to come out of this situation. Well, you know,
0: sometimes that's uh, that's uh, that's all it takes, right? So to give give people that little bit of support, that you know, that extra little bit of self confidence, or wow, someone else is believing in me, someone else is helping me, and and then that elevates them to to completely new level, or actually to their true level in terms of in terms of sporting performance, and then. Yeah. you know through, through that simple or like simple in air quotes process you know opens up new opportunities because all of a sudden they they get on the radar of someone you know that can give them that support on a more structural level and uh absolutely and yeah it, really really
1: cool it absolutely as you said it absolutely proves that you know these athletes that are all competing at that level you know the the margin to reach their full potential is so small and it and it can be a, just a, a fact of not having to to wash their bike at the end or not having to get it ready. Yeah, you know, that's enough for them to, you know, to focus on their job. Yeah.
0: Or just have a you know proper night's sleep rather than uh sleeping on in, in the floor of your van and yeah, sleeping yeah. in a in a proper bed and you know having a nice, you know, home cooked meal rather than, than, you know, whatever, yeah. microwaved ramen or whatever it is, right? So, I mean, yeah. we've all been young and uh, had to slum it at some stage. So, uh, if, if things must must go, then that's how they go. Yeah, I remember when the communication
2: came out that they were going to change the World Cup format a bit. I mean, speaking specifically about downhill Um, The conversation immediately went to uh, how much more difficult this format would be to adapt to for for privateers. And in the perfect example you just gave, um, you know, when people have this support, you know, they find their optimal performance. Um, But if I could play devil's advocate, there's also something to be said for, and I'm not taking away from what you did because I think it's amazing and I hope it sets the bar, like the benchmark for what's going on behind the scenes in different places. But there is something to be said for um, the individual, and maybe I'm not talking about the rider now, but the individual who's able to work at trying to balance all those different facets of being a privateer, because it is also bringing like a a kind of a a roundedness to like their skill set overall as a a person. And so mountain biking, we meet a lot of really cool people, a lot of really nice, people a lot of shredders and a lot of them had to start out just like that um really burning the candle at both ends and now they are some of the most popular world cup racers at the moment like bernard kerr you know i bet you're going to see a few more of these faces in your shop year after year after year and they're going to be on factory teams you know
1: yeah they like you're 120 percent correct <laughs> It's, it's character building in the end, and they you know at the start and things like that these you know these riders should get out there and live in the van and eat ramen and, and ride it race on an old tire and 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 things like that you know the the people that have the the Rise up have factory support you know they earn that support and they don't get me wrong it's not like you know um, otherwise they they're not going to be there. Um, but that's a, that's super important, you know, pay, pay your dues, you know, and when that support comes along, they're going to appreciate it so much more. And I was talking to, you know, um, the guys from Trek and Trek Future Racing um, and they they see the privateers, you know, the privateers and, things, and you know, riders up and coming that are on radars for these big teams. The, the teams, they see them a couple of years before and they watch, they watch what they're doing. And, you know, in Zoe's example, that people know that she's in a van, that she's doing this stuff, and, uh, you know, she struggles from time to time. And, you know, and it's for them, it's also because then when, when she does get the support, she's, she, she's just going to appreciate it. You know, and any rider like that, I think if they, they come through the super junior ranks, you know, it's a 10-year-old and they're sponsored already, and then, 15, 16-year-old, you know, 20-year-old World Cup level and they've just been given everything, you know. When they're up on the big the big stages or in the big pits and things like that, they just go, oh, this is just normal. You know, they should uh, appreciate everything they get.
0: Absolutely. Also, But there's also the flip side to to that argument, right? It's obviously, you know, that's slightly off the topic of the privateer lounge, but, um, you know, this is also about – you know, diversity and inclusion, if you will, right? Because this is predominantly a European sport. It's pretty easy for someone from Europe. So let's say Central Europe, like, you know, Germany, Switzerland, France, Italy, to get to a World Cup and to get into racing, even as a privateer, right? You can drive everywhere with a car. There's not much cost involved in terms of travel and stuff. But, you know, for someone from Australia, from New Zealand, from South America, America, you know, different places from overseas, this is a huge expense just to get to a race. And then if you need to get to the race and make an impression and you don't have the support and you need to pay your dues, you're just massively stacking the deck against everyone that's not from Europe, basically. Yeah. And uh, and that's why I think, you know, if those people if the people can come here and then having that local support, sometimes that is exactly that little bit that's required to, you know, to give them, them that opportunity, yeah. right? Or just tilt, tilt the deck slightly back in, in a more egalitarian way, right? Because if we just wanted the European Cup, then, you know, there's a way to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and going on that, from coming from Australia, New Zealand, um, once the word spread that, you know, that this was happening, and there's a you know an Aussie behind it. All of a sudden, the the families from from junior races from Oz and New Zealand all started coming in. And you know, talking to these parents, they're like, yeah, they've you know taken four four or five months off their unpaid leave. You know, flown. You know, most just a dad and a kid, or they got a bit of a group together and formed their own little sort of team to stick together and share costs. And they were all just like, "Man, this is like once, one shot. We can't afford this." And you know, to help these kids out and, and things like that, work on the bikes and you know, you know so like, it doesn't matter. Just give them twenty meters of rent tape. You know, like there you go. Just take it. It's fine. And I got a lot of the parents come in, you know, after the everything was done. You know, even if the kid didn't qualify, you know, they came in and said thanks. You know, and I said, look, the money you saved in here. I said, use it to get to Leo again. You know, use it to get to the next race. You know, use it to buy a tyre when you get to Austria. You know, things like that. And that was uh, that was really cool to see. You know, see the young kids and the parents, and get having a chat. Chat the parents, and you know, yeah, I know I couldn't I couldn't afford to bring my kids over from. From Australia to race a World Cup season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's enormous expense. Yeah, I can't can't imagine what it costs. You know, we had uh, one of the Aussie groups. I think it was uh, three parents and six or seven kids and things like that. You know, one night, I said, Oh, what are you guys doing for dinner? Oh, we're having pasta. So now you're coming around my house for a barbecue. Yeah. You know? Yeah, my 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 wife accepted this. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, we had you know a bit of an Aussie barbecue, you know, at, at my barbie. Um, <laughs> barbie, yeah, which was which was pretty cool. You know,
0: speaking of down under and uh, people from further overseas, I mean, there is another very famous uh, privateer supporter, Win Masters. Yeah. Did uh, did you ever exchange any notes on uh, supporting privateers with him, or did you just do this completely on your own?
1: I did it completely on my own. Um, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't know he was doing any privateer concept. Um, mm-hmm. And then through a few of the, you know, brands that I, I know and people, um, I said, if you see, see Wynn, can you tell him to come in here and have a chat to him? I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, we could use his platform, you know, to help, help grow this concept or the idea. Um, unfortunately you know crashed and uh, you know ended up a bit a bit hurt um, but uh, I messaged him on on, uh, on Instagram as well I said hey come past I want to have a chat you know let's let's take this privateers concept to the next race. Um, I wanted to grow and just put pressure on anyone in Leo game in the next race you know any shop. Put the hand up and say, "All right, I'm going," and then it would have gone to the next and things like that. I was like, "Hey, this—if we could get this over the whole series, that'd be so much fun." And uh, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, turn of events—you um, know—he ended up hurting himself. Um, but so that never happened. But uh, yeah, I think what he's doing is is awesome. You know, um, raising money, giving tires, just helping 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 these guys out, guys and girls.
0: Yeah, I mean this year it's it's even bigger, right? So they they get like full time mechanic, they get a bike, they get the next race, yeah. Proper proper support. That's really really cool. I mean, I guess what are some of the the highlights from uh, from those couple of days in terms of gnarly defects, trashed wheels, broken bikes? Any fun fun war stories?
1: Fun war stories, like finding a shock bolt for a, a bike you haven't seen before. The kid's coming in, and you're looking at their bike, I'm like, oh, my God. I just feel like giving him one of my sessions and say, look, just go race on that, please. You know, <laughs> we'll just put this one in the corner and, you know, we'll sell it for scrap metal. Um, and this one one guy came in, oh, I just can't think of his name right now. He's, he's well-known in the Aussie, Aussie rounds. He's a, just a super a loose cat, you know, lights up a room and he walks in. And then I, lo- I looked at his fork. And I'm like, "Hey, does that fork work?" He goes, "Oh, it goes down a bit." <laughs> and uh, I said, "Give me, give me a fork." And I, I think we had half an hour before I had to go for his quality runs. So there there's there's no time to pull it out and fix it. Um, and through one of the one of the supporters, if I don't mind plugging him because they helped immensely, it's garmuks Distribution in Switzerland um, with uh, the RSP material they gave me um oils um sprays lubes everything and they gave it to the to the privateers lounge they came on board big time so those those guys my hat's off i've said to them personally thank you um and i gave away the stuff they gave me i gave away like was like it was candy you know and going back onto this this fork um you know, there's a, a thing called hyperwipe from them, and it's just a it's just a lubricant, you know, just a sort of, you know, we call it, uh, if you don't mind my French, we call it race shit in my team. We get the race shit going for the race. And, uh, and I, I put someone in this fork and, you know, lubed up everything. And he's like, oh, my God. I said, all right, every run you come back in because it's not going to last. And he did it. He'd do a quality run or a practice run. He'd come back. I'd lube his fork back out, send him back out. Um, we did this for uh, I don't know, it might have been a day or two days or something. It was just, it was so much fun. That I don't think I'll ever forget that. That was uh, definitely definitely a highlight. Just meeting people, you know, um, it's definitely a bonus from what happened. Meeting new people, you know, from abroad and things like that. Um, having a chat, we got everyone to to sign in. You know their name, where the country they're from, Instagram, email, um, and things like that, and it was just um, really cool. And another guy, cross country, he was elite. He was in training, cross country guy came in, and in the training, he lost. uh, You know, I've had air in his brakes, and he lost lost pressure in his in his brake. He's like, "Oh my god, I'm really sorry. Um, Can you guys help me out? I'm in training." Like, yeah, no problem. We threw his thing up. My mechanic led his brakes. Did uh, within it probably took five minutes. We put him back on the bike and sent him off. And he came back in later to say thanks. He's got, I think he posted on Instagram, He's like, hey, mid training session, Blake breed, um, and all that sort of stuff. He goes, yeah, you don't get that, you know. And he's Epic Shop, Privateer Lounge, and things like that. And that was that was really cool, you know. Come in, had a little bit of pit stop, and went back out training. Very cool.
2: So, if we had to throw it together, a little, uh, a little package for the next, the next round of the World Cup Circus. Some other shop is aspiring to be a privateer lounge. What's well, a little, a little, a little kit that you can put together, like just in words? Let's say they need to have some lubricant. They need to have what else? And they can set up their own little privateer lounge their own way, of course
1: and they in their own while you yeah you, you need oils you need lubricants you need all that sort of stuff because that's that just goes that just goes a long way um, tires find find someone to give you a bunch of tires you know um, a couple of handle handlebars on the side aren't too bad either yeah lubricants tires yeah things things like that just uh, anything you'd you'd normally need to replace on a normal weekend you know with the boys just have it and then just don't hold on to it just give it away
2: so so I think uh, a big message would be for those people who are aspiring you re- you would be best served to look for someone to get to have this like kind of a donation sense because you you really need to pool from the community to provide service to the to to the community it's not just about like being a standalone shop and then going through all your stock and being left empty without any money in reimbursement it's everyone can pool in to help everyone else it's like instead of a self-help book it's a help others book
1: you know it is everyone everyone should should yeah should support support this you know i I asked, you know, I'm not going to name any any brands and stuff, but I, I asked for tires and I asked for certain things. And it was, you know, a, a very quick, so, no, yeah, no, sorry. And after the fact, you know, there's a few of the bigger brands that are like, oh, well, we want to be involved.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: And you're like, yeah. all right, so. You know, it's on the radar. It's it's a cool thing. Um, but, yeah, it should be, a lot of it should be donated by these by these brands. Um, I think some of the best were, you know, obviously Fox, RockShox, DT Swiss, but they did, didn't support private my lounge directly. Um, people riding, you know, DT Swiss wheels, for example, would come in and say, hey, can you straighten it or this isn't working or, you know. And we'd be like, hey, go to DT Swiss. It's just one or two times it happened. I said, go to them and say, hey, look, I'm a privateer. I've bent my rim. Can you guys straighten it for me? And every time that happened, the privateer came back with a new rim. They just built a new wheel. Bingo. Wow. Yeah. Um, And also, I know that RockShox and Fox helped a bunch of people out, you know. Obviously, when they had time, So "Come on, yeah, leave your fork here. I'll do a quick service and things like that." Um, obviously, we didn't have time to do to do it all. Um, you know, obviously, you know these bigger companies that support the factory teams and stuff like that. You know, that there is some sort of priority involved, but I think you know, there's also there's also room to help the, you know, help the little guy, you know. I can imagine these guys that got helped out by DT Swiss. Uh, what what wheel set are they going to buy next? They're going to buy DT Swiss, aren't they? Because they got helped out, you know. But yeah, if uh, if someone's looking, at a bike shop wants to do this at a next race or um, or wherever, yeah, just try and get some of these these companies involved, you know. Then they they can use it for. For marketing, you know, everyone like, likes a good wheel story, you know.
0: Well, also, I mean, it's a uh, you know by by the sounds of it, right? It's like the the little things that <clears throat> most um, most of the teams have plenty of spares, and you know, you you do hear from riders and certain teams that you know they they like to change tires every yeah, you know, every two runs or whatever, right? So <clears throat> those those uh, those tires could easily be donated to something like a privateer lounge. And there, I'm sure there's plenty of life out of those out of those tires. I mean,
1: like a new you tire? don't
0: even you don't even need to go to a World Cup to see that. Right. So, I mean, uh, uh, I really think back to Trans Madeira. Right. So there's people packing up their bikes to to fly back home overseas. And some of them, they were like, well, I've been riding those tires for um, you know, for a week and they look pretty, pretty short. And yes, some of those guys were sponsored, but they just gave them away to the local kids and you know, they, they're going to keep riding the crap out of those tires for at least another year or so. And, uh, you know, and that, it's the same, same with those things. Yeah. I mean, even at a, at a world cup level. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I really love the idea. I love the idea of community and providing that platform where people can come together and help each other out. And that's, I think it's a, it's a really, really cool story. And I hope, uh, I hope we see it again in the future. I guess next year Lenzo Heide is still up in the air, but uh if Lenzo Heide ever comes back to to be on the World Cup calendar, we'll, uh, will will you do it again? I'm I'm confident you say hell
1: yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, i will do it again. <laughs> can um, I hear a hell yeah? Can give me a hell yeah? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I didn't didn't get to present it correctly, there was one thing missing, and everything was delivered, but my red carpet turned up late. Ah. I actually had a red carpet ordered, measured out to go between Commensar mock off and special, oh. leading oh, to that's switch. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It was the cheapest red carpet I could find on the internet, you know. <laughs> um, and that was the idea. It was it was to be like if you're going to do a private use lounge, why not roll out a red carpet?
2: Exactly. And velvet and, you know, ropes for next year or the following.
1: Yeah. When it, when it comes back, there will definitely be a red carpet. We did talk about community
0: and, uh, the world cup, but, uh, there's obviously quite a bit more that you do for the community. And that's, I guess the, the, the second part I want to talk about, uh, today. And that's, uh, your involvement with the, the Lenzer heide Downhill kids and the Epic junior racing team. And, uh, what can you tell us all about that? I mean, I love these developments with, uh, you know, kids getting into racing and having help from the community. We've just been to Swiss Enduro Series Leukerbad, mm-hmm. where, like, the bike club Motal uh, was uh, rocking up with their U15 team with a bunch of coaches uh, kind of uh, oh, awesome. riding around with, I think, 10-odd kids uh, around, around the entire race. So I love these kind of stories. So what can you tell me about the... Uh,
1: did I hide to down to kids I first I first did lens hide down to kids oh 12 13 years ago you know um just a, as a Saturday summer thing and we had like 10 kids sign up and um you yeah, know we basically just did it for free and it was just just do something fun um you know then that was way before the bike park was here and, and all this sort of stuff and then um, you know, setting up the bike school uh, five, six years ago, whatever it was. And I was like, all right, let's let's get this up and running. Um, and then we started the first of all is our you know, our Wednesday club, as we call it. You know, kids are around here Wednesday afternoon off. Switzerland obviously. It is Switzerland. Yeah, it is Switzerland. It's very cool. Um and then we, we just started, you know. And then we have uh was it, 35, 36 kids from the region every Wednesday afternoon. Um, this year we have eight coaches. Um, some of them are, yeah, so free riders and things like this. Other have got level, you know, almost uh, World Cup level racing experience. And some of these kids drive up to an hour to get here every Wednesday afternoon. Um which is very, very cool. And then that obviously leads into your, you know, the summer holiday program, as we call it, you know, and Lenside's full in the next six weeks. And then we have a similar sort of thing. You know, we, we take kids in into the park, um, you know, show them how to use the park safely, teach them to jump, ride corners, drops, all that sort of thing you'd, you'd expect from that, that sort of course. Um, but the... For me, what I the funnest bit about that is, is when you get the little ones, the 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 young kids, and it's their first time, and like I can literally just ride the fire road down from Middle Station for, for five days with these kids and love it. And for them, it's the high Oh my, I'm going downhill. You know, all you see is this, you know two legs and a helmet, basically. You know, um, and that's the yeah, that's that's the lens I down with kids. It's um, I think slowly other places are doing it as well, but you know, we kind of started it. And uh, yeah, Swiss Cycling contacted me a while back, a couple of years back, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, we're just going to ride park with kids and it's fun. Yeah. And then from that, it led into the um, uh, Bike Kingdom Kids Cup. That race series that's that's around. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of it or, yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah, no, maybe absolutely. I know um, no, it's a, a three race yeah, I mean, series. It's, it's,
0: it's been it's been around for,
1: for a bit now, so it's. Uh... Yeah, that's um, something. I'm not involved with it anymore, but I was I was there at the start. The whole race, the first race was just a one day event. We thought let's just try something for kids. Um, my seven-year-old wanted to race um, then and so we said, oh, let's just try this and I think we had 60 kids turn up and then I, you know, Len's uh, marketing support went, oh, on the lift company went, oh, and I went, <laughs> oh. Um, and then we, we got together, you know, with a few other people obviously and the Kids' Cup concept came out of it and then I think the first year I was race director, um, and then I'm going with something like 500 kids through the series. Oh man, wow! Yeah, it was, it was pretty huge. And then I believe last year I think was, the numbers are around 700. I, I don't know the numbers anymore because I'm not, you know, not at the meetings or anything. Um, but I know last Sunday was the first race in in Brampton, in Core. And I th- saw number plate two hundred and thirty six. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. That the, the interest in kids racing and you know, bike parks or entry level races for for kids is huge in, in in this part of Europe.
0: Absolutely, because it's also you know the 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 path to downhill is a. Uh is pretty muddled right so no one really knows clearly what is the what is the path i mean there's some local races there's like the ixs cup there's uh, in the hot trail series there's all these kind of things but no one really knows anymore how these all fit together and from what age and there is no no clear path right so in cross country you know over the last 30 40 years you've had these Development programs or development series that brought you from seven year old all the way to, you know, elite if you ever wanted. Uh, but in downhill, there there's just no no such no such thing. And and I guess uh, you know things like the the kids Cup and and all these kind of things they they can play an important role um, to to fill that gap. And I guess that's why uh, that's why Swiss cycling was giving you a call.
1: Yeah, I think I think it might have been because of that. You know, or I forgot to pay my uh, my dues. I'm not quite sure. Uh, exactly. Did you did you just punch a membership? Yeah, please, that, that's your it. fees. Yeah. UCI number, please. That's yeah, that's <laughs> you now that, that's all up to date. You're right. <laughs> the and that that's the way where that first race came along. Where you know my my youngest wanted to do the race, and I I couldn't find anything for that age group. You know, the rookies cup in in Safaris was was probably the nearest. You had to be 13. I'm like, okay. So, you know, my, my son rides the track that they ride there, but he's too young. And then, you know, obviously, you know, developed, and the concept was just give kids from the age of six a, a chance to race, give them the feeling of a race, you know, the number plate, the professional timing, you know, but put it in at an entry level. Um, and Keep it on the safe side, you know. Obviously, because you know, mums all stand around and uh, watch this, um, and that's the way that's the way it's, it's kept. You know, it's the idea is to get all the kids to the bottom, safe and happy, and uh, have a little bit of a race on the side. And then, yeah, so watch that develop is uh, is pretty cool. And I've noticed this year that um, Valiant Cup. Is combined with the hot trail series, and so at the hot trail races where it's possible, um, they also have a, so you know a kids cup style race. It's a, a shorter, easier track. It's generally um, you know down down the grass or a little bit of a track and things like that, and that's going really cool as well. Like you know, they've got a lot of kids signing up just to do that. Is
0: a is an important step right so it's you know typically that that's how you get people to races right and to stick around races right because no one no one wants to go to a race for like a one minute run and then cheer on for a little bit and then go home and worst case they have to drive halfway around the country to to get to that so if you can make if you can make like you know afternoon racing for the adults and then you know, for the, for the dads and the moms, and then the kids can have their thing in at lunchtime or in the morning. And so if you, if you get, that's why I think these, these festival type events are, mm-hmm. are so successful, right. When you, when you have like all these different styles of racing and in, in racing in air quotes, right. Because for some, some classes, it can mean just a little obstacle course for others. It's maybe pump track for something else. It's a small downhill or already kind of a little enduro thing um you know they're, they're, that's that's how you get people excited and like you know give give kids i mean i see it with my own kids right give them a number plate give them a medal give them a couple of snacks and they're they're stoked about bikes and, and that's the, all you need right so and and that's that, what that's brings what them back and yeah
1: and
0: and and the ideal scenario they can see their idols at the same in the same spot right so then you know they, they hang around for their thing in the morning and then they've done the same event like their big star or or, yeah, and then that, that brings them back and keeps them in the sport.
1: Yeah, I saw her on, on the, the first Kids' Cup last week. Um, you know, there's a, a girl who has just joined, you know, my, my Kids' Cup team. And it was her first race. And, you know, she came down and she was in first place, you know, and the timing and, and, and scorings, you know, running and things like this. And she was so excited you know, and she's like, am I in first? I said, yeah, I'm in first, but, you know, there's a few more riders coming down, don't worry. And I think she finished six in the end or something like that. And she was so stoked, you know, and I was just like, that's the reason these these kids' races exist and should be more of them, you know, because then you get someone who started off at that, that young age and has that experience, that, that positive experience at a race or, or whatever it is. You know, they're going to get stoked on biking anyway. And then it can lead to them, you know, going through the ranks, through the age groups, moving up to the bigger races, you know, and then you might, well, you will see some of these kids from these Kids' Cup events going, you know, standing in front of the shop in a few years' time in, in the factory teams, you know. It will happen.
0: Knocking, knocking on your door or bringing you a beer.
1: Yeah, that's saying, Who giving me them their, the practice tires. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: There you go. Closing closing the circle. <laughs>
1: that's it. And that's where the Epic Junior Racing um, came about. It was to – there's not a lot of, of support for, you know, for up-and-coming riders in Switzerland. And so next to none. Um, and then – I think there's a, I think we can all agree on this, it's, you know, like a 10-year gap in Switzerland. And it's going to take another, you know, 10 years to fill it um, until, you know, Swiss is a, a dominant force on the scene again. You know, the, the the Frenchies have done very well. You know, they they kept pushing it. That's why all the, you know, they're riding so well. Um, and then, yeah, so, you know, I got together with a few fathers and all the, all the kids on the team, well, half of them came from, the you know the downhill kids program, and like you know they did really well in the kids cup the last couple of years. I'm like, well, let's let's see what we can do, and then you know so I got together with uh, a few brands, presented the idea. Um, obviously, Trek being you know the big the, the bigger one, I said, look, we need to give these kids support, take financial pressure off the parents, so that they can. Uh, you know, spend that money getting to the race and or or buying a, a spare wheel or, you know, having all the, the support that the kids need. And then, yeah, so we, we came up with that as uh, 11 kids on the team at the moment. Um, and then we we go to the, the hot trail races together. I take all the spare parts. I take, a you know, as good a workshop as I can, put in a bus, and... You know, the parents don't have to outlay money on extra brake levers or tyres and things like that because it costs me nothing to take it there, you know. So if someone blows up a back wheel, I've got it there. And then, you know, obviously you've got a you know, pretty good deal with me, these kids, um, and I just fix it. You know, if no one blows a back wheel, then I just take it back to the job. know, yeah. and it's... it's so much fun you know i've got really really good bunch of kids um the results speak for themselves like you know it's i say that's my second proudest thing is the results but the way the team sticks together at a race you know it's they're a team and i think that's something that's so important you know one of the kids asked me oh, are we going to have our names on the back of our shirts? I said, no, we're not. I said, we're a team. We're not individual riders. And they didn't get it. Some of the parents got it. Um, and, yeah, you know, you come through, as a, you work as a team, you do things as a team, you learn together, you know, and some of the quicker riders take the less experienced riders and show them lines and all that sort of stuff. And that's, uh, that's that's pretty cool to watch.
0: Wow really sounds really really cool and uh, i'd love to see that one day
1: <laughs> it's fun just to turn up at any any kids got racing you know, as i said the, the results you know stick for themselves we i say we you know this is the individual riders you know um fastest time of the day last weekend the the brambouche race for under 17s you know went one two three under 15s and and things like that and that's that's also very proud. It's, it's very cool um, to see that. But the way the rest of the riders are cheering, you know, for their teammates, you know, when they get up on the podium and stuff like that—that's you know, that's the way it should be. You know, mountain biking and racing—it it is an individual sport, I guess. Um, but you can also make a a team situation out of it.
0: Yeah, well, a team or a community in the in the wider sense, right? So I mean, that's. Uh... I guess certainly in the <clears throat> more gravity oriented disciplines, that's certainly something that, uh, that is a bit universal, right? So that, that element that you're not racing each other on out on the race course, you're, you know, it's a time trial at the end, right? So even in an enduro, it's, you start the stage on your own, you hopefully finish on your own, um, downhill, you finish, you know, you're alone on the track. There's no one else, and and uh, you're not really racing someone else. You're just racing yourself and the clock. And uh, and then that means you, you know, there's nothing that can be standing in the way of your performance apart from yourself. Um, and therefore, you can be stoked for 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 someone else. And that that's really something universal.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the way. I hopefully, you know, it, hopefully it stays, you know, that way. But um, no, very yeah, very happy to that's it's it's a part of it. See what happens, see what develops with that side of uh, what's going on. Um yeah, you know, we're talking to some of the kids and, and their parents as well. Where do we go? What do we do next? You know, even though we're half we're only half the series in, we're already thinking, All right, how do we get to European Cups? You know, and things like that. There's there's a few ideas. Uh, floating around yeah we think we can uh there's there's also a few other little you know teams and groups of juniors popping up now and uh, i think you know with that going on and kids cup and hot trails and things like this it's uh the next 10 years it's going to be hopefully an interesting time for for downhilling in in switzerland
0: yeah fingers crossed Fingers crossed. Yeah,
1: it's a little bit same as an as, as an Aussie saying that you know, having a bit of a a goal for downhilling in the country, but yeah, it's a nice place to live. I'll be here a while. Well, Luke, is uh, is there anything you wanted to say uh,
0: that you haven't said so far?
1: Not, no. I don't. I don't think so. I think we're covered all the points we want to have a have a chat about. You know, um, yeah. All I can say is. Uh, I put the, the challenge out there to, to any other shops and uh, to, to try and do it, like do a privateer's lounge, you know, um, speak to your local suppliers, you know, push it, use your connections, you know, abuse your connections. I think you can once a year. Uh, say, Look, this is what I want to do and, and do it. So, yeah, I think we, we've set the bar. Uh, now it's time for everyone to run with it.
0: All right. That's a really cool, cool message to, to end on. Um, If our uh, listeners have uh, any more questions about you, the privateer lounge, your shop, the Epic junior racing team, where can they find you?
1: Um, Yeah, you can uh, Epic shop um, on, on Instagram, Epic, uh, minus Lenserhide web address. Just if you Google Epic Lenserhide, you you'll find me somehow. Or just swing past the you know the, the track test centre here at the Review Hotel in the bottom of Roeton and come say hi. You know, m- might have a free tyre floating around. Who knows? <laughs> Some leftovers from the World Cup. Yeah, that's
0: it. Well. We'll put all of those uh, infos into the show notes as well so people can find it there. And with that, we thank you very much. This is really, really cool and really interesting. Um, and yeah, hopefully to see you,
1: see you in person soon. Yeah, we'll see you up here and, we'll, we'll, go and uh, we'll go and hit the trails.
0: Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode.
2: Pascal and I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast and it means a lot to us that you've listened to it. We'd also really appreciate if you shared it with the people that you know and care about. Until next time, Skigglers!